As was said earlier, happy Mother's Day. I hope that all of you who are moms either receive a phone call or a hug, and I love you today, and an acknowledgement of appreciation for what you've done for your children and your family. When I was asked to speak today on Mother's Day, there's several things going through my head. I was trying to figure out what to speak on, the just reflecting back on the role that different women have had in my life, grandmothers, mothers, knowing how many times they were praying for you when you were younger and going through struggles. I thought about speaking on love. There was several things that kept popping into my head, and then the Lord, in a, in a roundabout way, kind of brought the message to my attention. It was last week, Caitlin was getting ready to go to the dentist, and she rounded the corner of the van, and she fell, and we thought she had broke her ankle, but what she would actually done was sprain it, thank God. But it took Mama out of commission, and I had to step into that role for a few days. And there are so many things that our wives and our mothers do that totally get taken for granted, that we don't even think about. Things that when we were first married, we may have told them thank you for, and now it just kind of happens. I know that cleaning diapers was something that I haven't done in a while. That was not fun. Preparing meals, taking a a day off of work to care for a sick child because she couldn't get up. (laughs) Paying attention to our nine-month-old that was crawling along the floor, and you look, and he's got a Lego in his mouth. You don't even know how there's a Lego on the floor. And (laughs) and you stand there, and Caleb yelled at me, Daddy, Keegan looks like a tree when you cut it down for firewood. (laughs) Keegan looks like a tree when I cut it down for firewood, and I look in the living room, and my son is stiff, diving off the edge of the couch. It's like, oh, (laughs) you mean he's falling? Like, (laughs) so... There's just so much chaos. You just wanted to stop and scream. Everybody freeze, you know. Like, <laughs> it is a. It was quite the experience. <laughs> but even something as simple as a meal, when you're a husband and you come home from work, or when you're a, a son or a daughter and you come home from school or from practice, and supper's ready or it'll be ready in 15 minutes. It's just something that happens and you take for granted. You don't think about the 30 or 40 minutes it took her to prepare it. And if it's not ready, sometimes you may wonder to yourself, what has she been doing all day? And if it is, you <laughs> just, I'm not the only one that's ever thought that. <laughs> and if it is, you may sit down and eat and she may not even get a thank you for it. And then you get up and you go to the shed and you work on your chainsaw or whatever. The role of a wife and mother is often one that a woman does without thanks or gratitude. And yet, because of the love that she has for her family, she willingly serves her husband and takes care of her children. And it is this this love of a mother that I'd like for us to kind of explore today in different aspects. When you look at modern mothers and the sacrifices that they make for us, There's so many things that they give up. A mother may start her family young and give up a portion of her youth to care for her children. She may walk away from a career in order to stay at home with them. She may even do something as simple as take a personal day to go on a field trip with her kid or to take care of a child while she's sick instead of using it for herself. 
In many ways, the love displayed by mothers in the modern world parallels the motherhood that is talked about and displayed within the word of God. And there's some examples of this that we're going to look at today as we examine the word. The first one that I'd like to speak about is Eve, the first mother. Now, I was reading on uh, Legionnaire Ministries. It's a ministry that was started by theologian R.C. Sproul, if you've ever heard of him. It's a wonderful website. And there was an article on there entitled Genesis 4, Eve's Faith and Trust in God. I got to thinking to myself, Eve's faith. Eve displayed faith in her motherhood. We see sin enter into the world. And in Genesis 3, God is telling Adam and Eve what is going to happen because of sin entering into the world. Man is going to begin to toil. Woman is going to have pains in her childbirth. And yet God also makes a declaration in Genesis 3.15 that Eve's seed will bruise the head of the serpent. Now later on, in Genesis 4, Eve begins to have children, Cain, Abel. And she does not know which one of her seed will be the one that this is fulfilled through. But then eventually it reveals itself because Cain kills the faithful son, Abel. And then Eve Eve conceives again and has a third son. And she names him Seth. Seth meaning appointed. And it is through this appointed son that all the way through the line down to Christ, we see the lineage. Until Christ is born And he is the one that bruises the head of the serpent. And then when you look at the life of Jesus, we see his mother Mary. And all the ways that Mary's love was shown. Every time Mary pops into the story in Jesus, most of the time, she's showing love. And in Luke chapter 1, when the angel tells Mary that she will conceive, in verses 32 and 33, the angel tells Mary that, Her son will receive the throne of David, and he will rule over Jacob. But the angel does not tell Mary how this will happen. And so when Jesus is born, we see the love Mary has for him by wrapping him in swaddling clothes and keeping him warm in the manger. And throughout his life, we see Mary there in several instances, whether he was teaching or the miracle Jesus performed from turning water into wine. Mary was there. But when I think on Mary, one of the most powerful images that comes to my mind is thinking of Mary standing there looking at Jesus hanging on the cross. Can you imagine the pain that that mother felt in that moment? And yet the love that she showed Christ was also reciprocal. One of the last things that Jesus says before he says it is finished is while he is on the cross, he looks at the disciple John and tells him to care for Mary as if she was his own mother. The love was recognized by Jesus as well. And we do not know for certain whether or not Jesus revealed himself to his mother Mary after his resurrection. But we do know in the book of Acts 1.14 that when the people had gathered together at the day of Pentecost, mother the Mary of Jesus is listed. And more than likely she was there. Looking at the life of Jesus through the lens of Mary brings a whole new perspective to it. But there are two mothers that I would like for us to focus on today as we dive into Scripture. And those two mothers are Jochebed and Hannah. So first we'll start with Jochebed. If you will, please turn to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. 
Uh, to kind of give a background on this, most of us know about the children of Israel, but Jacob's youngest son, Joseph, was taken by his brothers and sold into slavery. Eventually, through the slave trade, he ends up in Egypt. And while he is there, through different circumstances, he grows to a position of power. Eventually, he is reunited with his brothers, and he brings his brother and his father to Egypt. And while they are there, they begin to prosper until finally in chapter 1 of Exodus, it states that a king was born in Egypt that did not know Joseph. And the number of the children of Israel made him afraid because if there was a war, he was afraid that they would side with the people and go against them that were attacking them. And so Pharaoh issues an edict. He makes the children of Israel surrender themselves to hard labor. He crushes them in slavery. And then there's a story where he tells two midwives that any young man, any young male born must be killed. But if it is a female, it can live. But the midwives feared the Lord and they did not do so. So eventually, in the last verse of Exodus 1, you will read that Pharaoh told all the people that if they saw a young male, it was to be cast into the river Nile. And a female could live. And then a baby enters into this world, into the total chaos. And let's read about this real quick. We're going to start in Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. 1 through 10. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her, maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid. And she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter and Pharaoh, <clears throat> excuse me. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take the child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. Now the mother that is exercising this faith exercising this sacrifice, giving a a child up twice. Her name is not mentioned. Her actions are, though. But when you continue to read and you get into Exodus chapter 6, there's a genealogy mentioned where it lists Moses' father, Amran, and the mother that he married, Jochebed. But when it comes to the separation of a mother and a child, the The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard states this, When a child must be weaned, the mother is not without sorrow at the thought that she and the child are separated more and more. 
the child which first lay in her womb under her heart and later reposed upon her breast will be near to her no more. And this separation Jochebed had to go through twice. The first time when she gave up the child into the river Nile, she had no idea what was going to happen. And the second time she gave him up, she was giving him up to another woman to raise him as her own son, not knowing what the future held. And yet we may sit and think to ourselves, how is it possible that Jochebed did this? How is it possible that she did this without fear? And when you read Hebrews 11, which many theologians call the Hall of Faith, in Hebrews 11.23 it states that by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. There was no fear, and oftentimes it's amazing how God brings about justice in ways that are so unique. Think about it, if I can describe this properly. The king of Egypt wanted young males to die by being thrown into the River Nile. And this mother, by faith, put her son into the River Nile, and Pharaoh's daughter got it and raised it with his resources And then the child eventually returns and frees the very people that Pharaoh was persecuting with that edict. Very roundabout way for God to bring justice. And yet by faith, Jochebed sacrificed her desires for Moses. And it is also by faith that we see Hannah, who was given a desire for a child, and she gave it to the Lord. And he used the child beyond anything that she ever would have imagined. So as we read about the mother Hannah... And her son Samuel, if you will, turn with me to 1 Samuel, chapter 1. 1 Samuel, chapter 1. Now, Hannah was the wife of Elkanah, and yearly they would go and make a sacrifice, and Shiloh and the high priest was Eli. And this is her story as we read verses 1 through 20, and then we will skip down and we will read 24 through 28. Chapter 1, verse 1. Now there was a certain man from Ramathane Zophin, from the hill country of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. And the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. But Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly and irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. So she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is it your heart is sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? 
Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor will never come on his head. Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And now go down to verse 22 or 24. I apologize. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three year old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. Although the young child, although the child was young, then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. She said, "Oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord for this boy. I prayed. And the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Now, one thing I like about this, our reading is in verse 19. It states that the Lord remembered her. Her prayer had not fallen upon deaf ears. She was remembered. But she dedicated Samuel to the Lord for all the days of his life, and there is no way that she could have known everything that Samuel would mean to the kingdom of Israel. Samuel was a mighty leader. Samuel was the final judge for Israel. He was the first prophet after Moses. He anointed Saul, and then later on he anointed King David. But he had a more immediate impact on Israel as well. If you continue reading through 1 Samuel, if you go to chapter 2.12, it states that Eli's sons were called worthless, and they did not know God. It also states later on in the chapter that they were taking advantage of people, taking pieces of meat for offering and sacrifice that wasn't theirs to take. They were having relations with the women at the temple that were working the door. They had no regard whatsoever for the code of a priest. And in chapter 2, 27 through 36, God sends a man of the Lord to Eli, the priest. And in this statement, this man of God tells Eli that 
God will break his house. And as a sign of this, God will kill both his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, at the same time. And God will raise a faithful priest of his own. <clears throat> and as you read through and you get into chapter 4, this comes to fruition. Israel had a battle with the Philistines. And during this battle, the Ark of the Covenant was stolen. Both of his sons were killed. A Benjamite runs to town to tell Eli of everything that had happened. Eli, in shock, falls out of his chair, breaks his neck, and dies immediately. And then his daughter-in-law, upon hearing of the death of her father-in-law and her husband, she was pregnant, she goes into labor, she dies during childbirth, and then has a son Ichabod, meaning glory removed. Israel immediately had had all of that wiped out. But who did God raise up in place of all them? It was Hannah's miracle child. It was Samuel. It was the one that she had dedicated to the Lord all the days of his life. And I hope that this is something that encourages us, all of us as parents, to pray for our children because we have no idea how far or in what ways the Lord can take them and how he can use them for his kingdom. But there's one last part of the story of Hannah and Samuel that just stuck out to me. It's a little detail that we often just glance through, but I think it truly shows the beauty of the mother's love. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, read with me if you will. We're going to read verses 18 through 21. 18 through 21. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod. And his mother would make him a little robe and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And they went to their own home. The Lord visited Hannah and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. Hannah asked for one child and she was blessed with six. And yet even though Samuel was no longer in her house and he was no longer in her care, every year when they went to make a sacrifice, she would bring him a brand new robe that she had made for herself. And when you sit and you read that, the thought that comes into my mind is, of course she would. She's a mom. That makes total sense to all of us, doesn't it, that she would still care for him. The title of mother is a title that always stays with a woman for the rest of her life, throughout all of time, no matter how much the world changes. When she has a child or children, she will always, always be mother. And there's certain things that happen in our life that stick out to us, that make an impact and steer their way into our subconscious that we just reflect on from time to time. And we'll never forget it for as long as we live. And I had that moment about a year, one of those moments, about a year and a half ago. For those of you that attended church here for some years, you probably remember my grandmother, Evelyn. And Evelyn was in the nursing home, and she was getting ready to go home, and her family was all gathered around. And I remember looking at her in that bed, and my uncle's, and my aunt and my dad, they all came and they hugged her and they kissed her on the forehead and they called her mom. The same as they did when they were four years old running around the farm. 
And that just struck me. Sometimes as parents, as mothers and fathers, we get so wrapped up in the moment. We don't even think about the fact that the love we show our children and the memories that we make with them 40, 50, 60 years down the road when we're gone, that is exactly what our children are going to reflect back on. We'll reflect back on the guiding hand of our father, and we will always remember the love that our mother showed us. Caitlin will always be Caleb's mom. Debbie will always be my mom. Gage's mother will always be Emmy. Lane's will always be Esther, and so on all around the room. Mary will always be Jesus' mom. Jochebed will always be Moses' mom. And although Hannah is never mentioned again in the Bible, past 1 Samuel chapter 2, she will always be Samuel's mother, and her prayer for a child will always be the prayer that God honored and used to bring Samuel to the children of Israel when they needed him. And in conclusion, a mother's love is something that is also precious to herself. Acknowledgement oftentimes can make everything that they do for us totally worth it. Because the truth is, we could sit and we could buy our mother or our wife jewelry with all the birthstones of our children in them. We could take her out to a restaurant. But the truth is, if we called her or we gave her a hug and we told her, I love you, happy Mother's Day, that would mean more to her than anything. And that is what makes motherhood so beautiful. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everything that you've given us. I thank you for the, the mothers that you've brought into our life. The way they've prayed for us through our struggles. The way they've always been there for us from the time that we were little. The way that they call just to check in, to see how you're doing, to remind us that we're loved. I pray, Lord, that today is a good day for the mothers. I pray, Lord, that you bless them and allow them to hear from their children. I thank you for everything you've given us, and I pray that you continue to guide us in the days ahead. Amen.